If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with an acute obsession of true crime, caught discussing tragic events with unwilling participants, or kept awake at night by the paranormal or just plain absurd, you've found the right place. All others, beware of catching this dangerous bug as we begin to talk about the facts. Hello again, fact friends. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About the Facts. It is November. (laughs) He wooed. Uh, It is November. And last week was a hell of a year. So we did take the week off. However, there will still be four episodes for this month. It's just we'll drop one in whenever we feel like it. So with me today is an old fan favorite... The Vaughn. Hey. <laughs> I hate that I'm laughing already. This is my discomfort exposing itself. Just it's knowing okay. what we're about to get into. Oh, yes. I warned him this time. Because Vaughn Dexter Montague the second, the Count of Dogs, sometimes <laughs> gets a little scared. But then I warned him about the approach. Because sometimes you can't just spring stories on people like this. So I was like, hey, don't look it up, but we're doing this. So it's November. What's November famous for? You're right. Native American history. There's so much rich history that we just don't know about in popular culture. And I think it's you know time to talk about it. Talk about the facts, if you will. Yes. Hey, that's the name of this podcast. And for those of you who don't know us yet, um, that might be many of you. That might be one of you. I don't know who's tuning in for the first time. Tweet us if you are. Hey. We're a podcast about cold cases, bizarre phenomena, and the wildest stories I felt like researching. And apparently now we're a history podcast because, yes. Just covering all the bases, getting all the people in. Did what I wanted to. Um, Yeah, that's what happens. So we often have a good time here. We like to make fun of bad guys, and I like to do impressions of really stupid Mississippi sheriffs who are dead, which I realized halfway through that episode. And (laughs) and, uh, But this month, I think a lot of our stories are going to be a little bit more solemn, just because of the nature of what I want to cover. Uh, So today we are going to actually talk about native Hawaiians. For those of you who may have forgotten, Hawaiians are still Americans at this time. Are they happy about that? I don't think so, but who's to say? Oh, you might find out after this story. So so shook. Yeah. They don't teach this in school at all. Nope, not, a, not not even a little bit. They sweep it under the rug. They sweep it under the bodies, under the building of the school building. Like, it is so far away from anything that they teach us. But we did mention, I think it was episode four, maybe, where that Hawaii became a state in 1959, uh, along with Alaska. So it officially became a state that year. Um, I doubt they were happy about that, but you know, whatever. So it being Native American History Month, 
and Hawaiians being Americans and often forgotten about, it's time to talk about Native Hawaiians. And what better way to do that than by talking about how they became Americans in the first place? It is not a great story. It was a bad look for America. Did we ever have a good look? (laughs) I don't know. Depends on your lens and who's looking through it. Yeah. And a lot of people need a lens adjustment because, woo-wee. Yikes. So, Vaughn, do you know anything about Hawaii prior to this vacation paradise that we've turned it into? Um... I knew that it became a state like within like my like within people I've known's lifetime, like living Um, memory. Yeah, like, and that has always tripped me out. Um, And I had, I've heard sprinklings about like just that it's it's awful how how they became a state or came to be a state, Mm -hmm. um, and presumably forcibly joined to this union. But, uh, yeah, it always, this is one of the things that shocks me about, like, you know, like you said, like, living memory and, like, timeline and everything. Um, Because this is, like, just one of those things where I'm like, this is so fresh and so new and so awful. And, like, like how can people, you know, and some people try to sweep it under the rug or deny that there was anything awful that ever happened. And it's like, but, no, there are actually people... Uh, that lived this or that, you know, there are people we can talk to who can have a firsthand account of what happened. Um, Oh yeah. And that, that bothers me a a lot. My, my own father, like my own father was four years old when Hawaii gained statehood and Alaska. And so that is mind blowing, but also it was a territory before it was a state, much like Puerto Rico is a territory before it's a state. Um, but much unlike Puerto Rico, I don't think Hawaii wanted to be a state. I'm not so certain Puerto Rico wants to be a state anymore after uh, how yeah. they've been treated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awful, and we we should fix that yesterday. <laughs> but... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Puerto Rico or any Puerto Rican listeners. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do as an individual except be rowdy. And I, mean, I have, I've been rowdy. Yeah, I was going to say that what we really need to do is take the cartridge out and blow on it and try to reset everything. <laughs> but this is a big cartridge. Yeah, I, can, I don't know if blows. I can like, yeah, I was like, I don't know if I can even like reach around the whole cartridge at this point. Yeah. That's how big it is. So let's jump into Hawaii never wanted to be a state. Yay. <laughs> I feel like this is the opening <laughs> of like a Monty Python sketch. Yay. <laughs> all right. Let's start where all great stories start at the beginning. Mm, good idea. <laughs> so the first European that made contact with Hawaii Some might say discovered, but you can't discover something that people were already there. So he didn't discover shit. He made contact with Hawaii in 1778, and that was Captain James Cook. He was a big loser. (laughs) Anyway, 
he did end up dying because he tried to kidnap one of the kings of Hawaii. What a move. You know, that only works in video games, homie. Wait, but, what? I'm already yeah. lost. Wait, he tried to capture a king? He did. He came to Hawaii. He was like, oh, man, they have like a monarchy and like a system of doing things. And he was the kind of person, he was like a cartographer and he was a captain in the Royal Navy. Um, but yeah, so he basically was killed because he tried to um, kidnap the current king of Hawaii, uh, Kalaniopu. I am so sorry if I butcher Hawaiian names. I am trying my ultimate best. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so he just, like, marched straight through the village to get the king. And he took the king. And one of the king's wives um, and two chiefs, they just went to the boat. And, yeah, eventually he got, I think he got stabbed. See? Oh, no, he got knocked out and then stabbed to death. Yep, that's what you get for trying to steal a king. Let me also say super quick, um, this is a shining example of caucasity. I know. If, if any listeners have ever heard that phrase, we're like, I can't really figure out what that means. This is it. This is your example. This is it. Look Think at, of listen, Captain Cook. Captain Cook, caucasity. Like, why? How could you fix fix yourself to decide this is a good idea and like you, that you to think that you just have the right to do this stuff it's okay keep going i'm just wow. no you're right because like my favorite part of the story is like an old kahuna which is a priest uh he kept chanting and holding out a coconut like trying to distract captain cook and like the <laughs> men around him and then all of the crowd comes around and then like the king is like this guy is our enemy. Like, these white men are dangerous. And when he turned around, that's when he got knocked the fuck out. And I'm like, yes! You hate to see it, and he did what not see it. I mean, I love to see it. I love to see this dude get knocked the fuck out and stabbed to death. That's what you get. Ah! That's, oh, that, it, I mean, it's great. There, I mean, four of his, like, corporals or whatever, I don't know. I didn't military. Um, also got stabbed to death. That's what happens when you run with the baddies. But through the 18th century, traitors, missionaries, and you know what that means. When the missionaries come, mm. yikes. Um, they all come to the islands. From both Europe and the United States. Now, they, Hawaii had also had people from Japan and the Polynesian Islands just naturally coming over due to geography. So they kind of already had a blended society, like, already. Mm -hmm. So having these people come over, it kind of made sense in a way. Um it wasn't, like, out of the ordinary or, like, abnormal for, like, new I people mean, to come and find their space. Maybe these new people with bleached-ass skin. No, I'm kidding. But they already kind of knew how to handle people from other nations, if you will. Mm. But, so we're going to take a little jump forward to 1874. And we have uh, 
King Kalakoa rises to power and he wanted to reduce the power of the basically the white plantation owners. Um, I don't know if they were quite called plantations, but basically white people had taken over some land. They'd purchased land. And I'm really mad about that. I'm like, how do they own land already in Hawaii? Who sold it to them? Did they not get the fucking memo? Ah! But then again, you know, of course not. I mean, yeah, I was going to say white going white. So I'm sure there was some some sweet lie that got, you know, fashioned in such a way that it sounds like not an awful idea. And then they get into it and they're like, oh, this was absolutely an awful idea. Yeah, it's like all this. You're like, oh, of course, you can have some land. Like, give me some money and you can have some land. Um, and like, you know, you can grow sugar because sugar was a main export. And the United States government had like a tariff agreement with them to where it was boosting their economy and the United States economy. And so it was like a win-win for both. Uh, but, you know, the people who had come to the island from the United States and Europe, they basically were not thrilled with this arrangement. And also, Pearl Harbor would be built around... Oh, wait, I'm too, I'm too far ahead. Sorry. Uh, just kidding. Don't forget about Pearl Harbor yet. Um, you can forget about it later. It's fine. <laughs> gonna say we jumped so, already well no no about it being built it's it was built a while before it got bombed yeah um so you had the sugar blah 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 anyway so there was a party called the missionary party and it would later change its name to the reform party in the government And these were the white men who had installed themselves in, like, the Hawaiian government. And they were mostly from England, the United States, and Germany. And so, like, for decades, they had basically maneuvered power for themselves in Hawaii, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so the Hawaiians were kind of losing power. The native Hawaiians were losing power to the white sugar plantation owners. They were not thrilled about that. And so uh, Kalakoa basically was like seeking to reduce the power of those people because they were foreigners. They were basically just using up the land. They were hiring people from China to come work the fields and they were bringing in illnesses. They were bringing in um, either by themselves or like the Chinese workers would be bringing in illnesses that um, the Hawaiian natives weren't immune to. um, And they weren't, you know, being smart about things as they are want to do. So of course, uh, King Kalakoa goes on a diplomatic mission, and in 1881, you have Princess uh, Lily Lukalani, 
who acts as queen regent while her brother is away. So they have an outbreak of smallpox that's brought on by some of the Chinese laborers uh, brought in by those businessmen working on the sugarcane fields. And it started to sweep through Honolulu. Now, if you guys don't actually know how smallpox works, smallpox takes about two weeks to show any symptoms. So, like, you go from being a healthy-looking person to spread the disease through the air, the touch, and objects. You get a fever, headache, heavy limbs, backache, vomiting, and then lesions all over your body. And there's a fatality rate of one in three. Oh, my God. Does that sound like something we know of (laughs) called uh, COVID-19? Corona. I'm just saying there's a lot of uh, similar symptoms to the Rona, if you will. The writer's room of history has no new plot lines. We're just reliving (laughs) plot after plot. I'm telling you. So the Native Hawaiians had no inborn immunity to smallpox, much like many of the many Native American tribes. Um, And we know how that went down. Genocide. So uh, as Queen Regent, um, uh, Lelukalani shut down all of the ports and enforced mandatory quarantine until the outbreak was contained wild right triggered i go ahead (laughs) i know i know huh people got sick and their leader said y'all sit down interesting bonkers right this woman got shit done what a strange strategy go on so uh boats were prohibited from taking passengers between the islands the quarantine infuriated the white sugar cane growers who felt like quarantine was just hurting their business. But Leila Lukalani stood her ground as she should this queen. Okay. I'm going to so, remind you, and this is, I might have to continue to remind you. Uh, you're hearing the sound of my mouth like on the floor. I'm just like, <laughs> I know it's like, is this right now? <laughs> Did we just rip this out of today's history page? No, we didn't actually. This is 1874, you said? 78. This is 1881. 81. This is 240 years ago. 140. 140 years ago. I went to college. So, (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah. So, in all, 300 people died from the outbreak. Thanks to her quick action, there was zero additional cases outside of the city of Honolulu. Okay. But (laughs) this would set up issues with the white sugar growers. So the white people had a problem with the shutdown because of money. Go ahead. I just feel like (laughs) I feel like Jeff Bezos has ancestors there. (laughs) Like, it just, it triggered. <laughs> 100% triggered. Like, Jesus Christ. So, and we're going to skip forward a couple years. So, again, I am giving you an abridged version of the stories. There are also more details. Feel free to research on your own. Of course, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Google is free. Just sell your data. Anyway, <laughs> 1887. 
Calico, a sister, is uh, one of the 50 foreign monarchs invited to attend Queen Victoria's Golden Jubilee. Don't go. (laughs) Celebrating her 50 years in power as Queen of England and now the newly minted Empress of India. European colonialism strikes again. Like, once you start, you can't stop. You should stop, but you can't. Like, if you're just playing Risk or something, mm-hmm. you can't. Like, you gotta just take India. It's a Pringles can. <laughs> you know, once you pop, you just can't stop. <laughs> Shout out to, if anybody knows Pringles, let's get a sponsorship going. I'm so upset, because that was so funny. I don't think anyone on this planet has ever likened British imperialism to a Pringles can, but the fact that you just did it changed my life. Once you pop, you just can't stop. But you should stop. Just noting. Okay, Mm -hmm. so Leila Kalani gets to go. And also, please Google pictures of her. She was gorgeous. Like, okay. She's so pretty. And we all know how Queen Victoria looked. She's eight. Um, while on this diplomatic celebration, um, Layla Lila Kalani went with uh, Kalakoa's wife. She gets to be treated to the most extravagance on her trip. Even though Hawaii does have its own level of extravagance they are not backwards in any way they are up to par um they like the palace uh in hawaii that leila Lukalani lives in gorgeous like gorgeous her clothes and her like all of her presentation incredible like there's no way to see them as backwards at all okay So, but she gets treated to the most extravagance Britain has to offer while on her trip. So it's lovely. Like she gets brought to London on a steamer train. Like, why would they need that in Hawaii? So that's cool. Um, She has an escort of a hundred troops. She gets to use Queen Victoria's carriages and horses and drivers. Ooh. Yeah. So that's like pretty bomb, right? But after the global... Blah, 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 blah. After the Golden Jubilee, the princess, <laughs> they come back to their room where their staff has already packed their bags. There's been a coup back in Hawaii. What? And we just got started on this story, and there's already been a coup? Right. Like, what the? So we're still in 1887. Um... But angered by King Calico's extravagant spendings and his attempts to dilute their power, I feel like the extravagant spending was not a thing, but okay. Yeah. A small group of missionary party members, known as Hawaiian League, struck back against the king. So, led by Lauren A. Thurston and Sanford B. Dole. Like the banana, so now I kind of don't what? want dull bananas ever again. Yeah. 
the Hawaiian they're not even draft, that good. Ew. They're just like ben- they're average. But I don't know if he's associated with the bananas. I got to look it up, but it's it a common enough last name. Bob Dole ran for president against Bill Clinton once. <laughs> I feel like he had stuff to do with bananas because he was bananas. Today's episode brought to you in part by Dole Bananas, bananas. <laughs> and Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> Once you peel, you got to start stealing. I don't know. I'll work on it. <laughs> you know what? We- no notes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the Hawaiian League drafted a new constitution that reduced the power of the king and increased the power of the cabinet and legislature. Sound familiar to you right now? Sadly. So, this new constitution also, just buckle up for this, okay? It extended voting rights to wealthy non-citizens while excluding any Asians who had been longtime residents of the island and restricted access for Native Hawaiians through land-owning and literacy provisions. Eighteen eighty seven. Eighteen eighty fucking seven. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like they've. I, I being black will always like find the the parallels to the black experience. And it's like seems like they were like, okay, we've got a good handle on how to suppress people uh, once Let's they're free. Do it. Yeah, they've like had twenty years of having to deal with uh, freed blacks. Uh, in the states now they're like let's adopt it over here too it's like what if we went somewhere else and did the same thing stale so backed by a militia which honestly we're done with no more militias i'm done the group used the threat of violence to force king kalakoa to sign this constitution, which became known as the Bayonet Constitution, as the king was held at gunpoint to sign it. So literally, he had a bayonet at his head. Once again, just based on the nature of how uh, this is being presented to people, my mouth is on the floor. That's what you're hearing right now. It just goes. (laughs) (laughs) So. Oh, my God. Let's move to 1890. There was the Tariff Act of 1890. Wait, so where'd the queen go? Well, she went back to Hawaii. And now that her brother's back, she's just a princess again. She was queen regent. Queen regent, right. Yeah, when her brother was away. And then when he came back, he's king again, and she's just Princess Lelukalani. Gotcha. Which, honestly, what a gig. Like, I'm just queen when I feel like it. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah, same. Uh, So the Tariff Act of 1890. So the U.S. had provided generous terms for U.S. sugar growers in Hawaii to encourage American plantation owners to settle there, which sucks. Like, get out. But the Tariff Act massively increased the tariffs on imported manufactured goods it eliminated all tariffs on sugar leading to the u.s market being flooded with cheap sugar from all 
over the world. So what do you think that did to the Hawaiian economy? Okay, so the what I'm struggling with now is what are we considering Hawaiian? What does it mean to well, be Hawaiian remember at this point? that they're not they're still sovereign at this point. Okay. They well, the white people But there's a lot of white people take, in here. Too. Yeah, there's they're taken over, but the US hasn't done their dirty yet. Okay. I mean, it sounds like they'd be rolling in the dough now. No, it's the opposite. The Hawaiian um the Hawaiian economy crashes because it's built on the favorable terms previously set forth by the U.S. And the president at the time, 1890, I believe, was Grover Cleveland. No, not yet. I don't remember who it is. Don't know. No one asked me. So anyway, <laughs> I like how I didn't write that one thing down. I got you. It was Harrison. Oh, is it Harrison? Yep. Benjamin Harrison? That's right. I hate him. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was in between Grover Cleveland's. Yeah, because Grover Cleveland was non-consecutive. Hello, I'm a history nerd. I used <laughs> to know all the presidents in order. Um, I've got maybe 10 or 15. Don't ask me um, when they served, though. I can pretty much get most of them. But we're going to talk more about the story than those loser white dudes. Fair. Because um, Benjamin Harrison sucked. Uh, so anyway, yeah, the president said he would reverse this if Hawaii agreed to be annexed. Yeah, no. So in 1891, King Kalakoa dies. And he is succeeded by none other than Queen Lili Lukulani. And she proposed a new constitution that would restore the powers of the monarchy and extend voting rights back to everybody. Yes. So the queen's actions angered everybody that wasn't them. So like the white people who formed a 13 member committee of safety. I'm sorry, but committee of safety really like you threatened to assassinate a king mm -hmm. and the committee of safety carcassity thank you with the goal of overthrowing the monarchy and seeking annexation by the united states what kind of bullshit are we on right now like this is 1891. I would not be born for a hundred more years, and I am already losing my shit. <laughs> this is so dumb. Like, who goes to a whole other kingdom and was like, you know what would be great here? An American flag. No, it wouldn't. They had a thing going on. It's called their own thing. I mean, but low, on the lowest of keys, not even, on the highest of keys, actually, that's the American way. <laughs> that That is the American way. Jesus To Christ. infringe and claim. Well, the next year, 1892, 99 years before I would be born. <laughs> Layla Lukiani. I'm so sorry. I got You're doing amazing, down. sweetie. Thank you. <laughs> Take pictures. She attempts to garner uh, support from the native Hawaiians 
for this new constitution. And she travels village to village on horseback to speak to all of her people, despite having lost most of her political power. And this was her opportunity to hear from her people directly who no longer had a voice in government. And thousands of people signed her petition for a new constitution. This is just this film writes itself if it hasn't already been written, by the way. Where's the film? <laughs> She's my hero. Like this woman is incredible. Yeah. And at the end I'm gonna tell you how I like actually learned about this story, but okay. So <laughs> it's kind of silly. Anyway. January fourteenth, eighteen ninety-three. Leila Lukalani delivers the draft of the proposed constitution to the government's ministers. This version of the constitution would increase the number of elected representatives and eliminate property requirements for voters. Non-citizen American and European residents would lose the right to vote. Makes fucking sense. Yeah. Because uh, guess what? In America, where you want to be annexed, you don't got that right. Mm-hmm. A massive crowd gathered outside of uh, Ayolani Palace, which is her palace, where the meeting was taking place inside, waiting for the queen to emerge. Sadly, the queen's ministers refused to sign the constitution, believing that it would cause some unrest. Bitch. Later, some of the queen's ministers tattled to the American businessman and advised how she was building power to take back. Let me turn the page. Her place as queen with power. That was not a good sentence. Every episode. She had a snitch. Let me summarize what just happened. She had more there was than a snitch. one snitch. She had so many snitches. She had a snitch who snitched who snitched. And all of them deserve not stitches, but to go walk in the goddamn ocean. There's many places to do it. Go jump in a volcano. <laughs> all right. So Lauren A. Thurston, that motherfucker, would gather 12 other elite white businessmen to form a yet another new group. Oh, wait. The Committee of Safety. Just kidding. He formed it. And their plan was to gather weapons, raise the militia, and yeah. Uh, the committee so, of safety, huh? Yeah. Great. They're going to overthrow the, the monarchy. I forgot I already told you that bit, but whatever. Yeah. I put it in twice for emphasis. Emphasis! <laughs> <laughs> So according to a January 29th, 1893 edition of the New York Times, on January 16th, Hawaiian minister Marshall Charles Burnett Wilson got a tip about the pending coup and attempted to arrest the committee members and declare martial law. But his attempts were turned down by other Hawaiian government officials who feared violence and warfare liars like anyway go ahead 
Yeah. Oh, no. This is about to get really stupid. Are you ready? Like, buckle up for stupid. (laughs) The next day, after a Native Hawaiian police officer was shot and wounded, he survived, thank God, after trying to halt the distribution of weapons to the Committee of Safety's militia, the committee decided to put its coup into action. Because, you know, they just got caught blood-handed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this was the only bloodshed of the attempted coup number two. Near the Queen's Ayalani Palace in Honolulu, the committee's militia gathered, and they were joined by the 162 U.S. Marines and Navy sailors on the USS Boston, who were ordered by John L. Stevens, U.S. Minister to Hawaii, to protect the committee in American business. So the Queen surrenders peacefully to avoid violence. The sailors and marines were ordered to only intervene if there was violence. This left the Hawaiians in a bind, because if they like decided to fight against Thurston's militia, the marines and the navy, who were docked offshore, were absolutely ready to kick ass. Yeah. And I say that because there's 500 Hawaiian men to protect the queen, but the committee of safety had 1500 white men heavily armed and then the Marines. Yeah. So of course she surrenders because she's not going to get all of her people killed. What? Like, gee, like she cares about human life. Mm -hmm. What? What? And it sounds like that was the, that was the weakness. How is that a weakness? Well, that was the point. It's like she's trying to save her people from these white people. And she knows that this is a lose-lose situation. So the only way to help them is to surrender in a way. Because if she retaliates, they'll be annihilated. Right. If she doesn't, they're in a standoff. So... The only way to save her people is to surrender, essentially. Yeah. So she's put on house arrest in the palace. So, next, the Committee of Safety. almost says Stacy, but I mean, that's more relevant than (laughs) safety. Established a provisional government headed by Mr. Stupid Dole himself. Then we have U.S. President Grover Cleveland, the guy that we don't like and he had recently won the second of his two non-consecutive terms Mm -hmm. and he was an alleged anti-imperialist but i don't believe that so yeah his name is grover i mean ew unless you're a blue monster i don't buy it so he opposed the provisional government withdrew the treaty for annexation that benjamin harrison had sent to the Senate, and he called for the Queen to be restored to power. He also appointed former Congressman James Blount. I don't know, there's a U in there and I wanted to. Blount to investigate what happened during the overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy. 
The report showed that U.S. Minister of Hawaii had landed the USS Boston um, at a Hawaii harbor under false pretenses in order to support Thirsty Thurston and the Committee of Fake Safety for its second coup. The involvement of the U.S. military was unauthorized. Because you know that's an act of war, and the only way that the U.S. can get involved in war is with the approval of Congress. So, the Queen should be restored to power due to the gross misuse of American power without the approval of Congress. Makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So, however, Cleveland, from the Cleveland show, had one stipulation when he met with the queen and that was to tell her the news, but he wanted Thurston and his homies to be pardoned. And the queen, you guessed it, <laughs> refused. <laughs> she wanted them banished and their property confiscated, which makes total sense. Fair. Like at the, at the very minimum fair. She's over here, like ripping open the pineapple and showing all the dirty diapers. Like, they did this and this and this. Do you know what they did to my brother? Like, come on. So, Queen Leila Luki, Lord of my life, Leila Lukalani, refused to agree to pardon, refused to agree to the pardon, and an American representative at the meeting was so shocked at the Queen's response that... He felt like he just had to tell everybody about this meeting and his How dare you want justice? Who do you think you are? Yeah, no, who did she think she was? So quickly, rumors and news stories about this, are you ready? Dark-skinned barbarian queen calling for the beheadings of the upstanding businessmen in the streets were passing around. What? Oh, yeah. So she went for, um, like, Queen Victoria on the level of to that. And that hurt her. Like, that hurt her dearly because she said in her memoir, there's an old proverb which says, a lie can travel around the world while the truth is putting on its boots and that offensive charge was repeated to hurt to my hurt as often as possible, although I immediately sent my protest that I had not used those words attributed to me. I mean that that it's such such vivid imagery as well about the, the lie traveling around the world before the truth puts on its boots. And it's so that's so real and it's that <sighs> I know, like, it hurt. Oh, God. Like, wow. And of course, like, she's a woman in power. And what does this country hate the most? Women. So, especially women of color. Mm -hmm. And they're seeing her holding her ground. She has proven to be a very competent ruler. And she chose not to let her people die for her. She was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to let 500 people die for me. 
I'm going to back off. Yeah. I want them to survive. I want our people to live on. So, that being said, Leia Lukalani agreed to, officially agreed, basically, to the terms of full pardon. But the Committee of Safety established the Republic of Hawaii and refused to cede power. And on top of that, the Republicans in Congress, which were opposed to Cleveland, commissioned their own investigation into the attempted crew, crew, <laughs> coup, called the Morgan Report. And it was chaired by a former Confederate general and Jim Crow proponent, John Tyler Morgan. And- and yep. there it is. <laughs> there it is. There I it is. Just said they were figuring it all out oh, post yeah. uh, post Civil War, and now here comes this asshole. Here it comes. <laughs> that report said America did nothing wrong in the coup. What? It's Who? A, <laughs> it, it's a coup. What the fuck? Are we talking about the same America? <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> so. In 1895, counter-revolutionaries later tried to overthrow the new white government in Hawaii, and the queen was arrested in her own home that was later ransacked by soldiers. She was brought to a military court and convicted of misprison of treason, meaning she knew potential treason was possible, but hadn't reported like reported it. Mm. I got a pause. How can a queen be committed? Like, how can she commit treason? It's her fucking country. <laughs> right. Cause treason, isn't that by definition, like an act against the crown and she is the crown. So it's on her head. <laughs> I mean, the crown is turning every which way she is. <sighs> I I just fucking kill it blows my mind. You do know this is I'm officially dubbing this this section of your podcast like caucasity and anthology. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I will put that in the description because it's killing me. It's gonna say we learn the sad story of Hawaii and how badass Lila Lukalani is, but also Caucasity and Anthology. <laughs> so, hundreds of her supporters were arrested and six were scheduled to be hanged. But, are you ready for this? No, but go ahead. Oh, you should be, because this is incredible. <laughs> In order to spare their lives, she agreed to formally abdicate the throne. However, she signed the form as Leila Lukalani Dominus using her husband's last name, which she had never legally taken. So it was a small final act of rebellion for Hawaii's last queen. Beautiful, right? Like mouth gaping. Oh, yeah. What? So, Hawaiian royalists began a coup against the Republic. It didn't succeed. But 
while she was under house arrest, that's when she formally abdicated and dissolved that monarchy. So in 1898, the U.S. officially annexed Hawaii. It was Hawaii was administered as a U.S. territory until 1959 when it became the 50th state. So where Hawaii stands today. In 1993, we were both alive. Mm-hmm. I was walking and everything. <laughs> like, and reading books and, wow, okay. Yeah, I was walking. I was yelling. I was a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> um, Congress issued an apology to the people of Hawaii for the U.S. government's role in the overthrow and acknowledged that the native Hawaiian people never directly relinquished to the United States their claims to their inherent sovereignty. The bill, dubbed the Apology Resolution, was signed by President Bill Clinton. Because she didn't sign her name. She didn't actually abdicate. That's not her legal name. Oh. And this comes a century later. Actually, they knew it the whole time. What? Yeah, they just didn't care. Oh. Yeah. But, like, also, when Hawaii's like, we don't want to be a part of this, we should be like, yeah, you shouldn't be because legally you're not. Yeah. Like, honestly, free Hawaii. Get them out of here. Unless, like, you know, financially they need support because we should do that for them. Yeah, I I was waiting for the other shoe to drop and hear that we paid some reparations <laughs> to Hawaii. We have. <laughs> and I also, in my fury, um, say we very loosely. Because I'm also like, and where are, like, if Hawaii's getting reparations, then where's ours? And I don't want to go down that slippery slope, but. Yeah. No, was... but you're saying our collectively as United States. Yes. In 2000, we know that year, mm-hmm. the then Senator Daniel K. Akaka of Hawaii, who is soon to retire, began the first of many repeatedly proposed um, acts to Congress for the Native Hawaiian Government Reorganization Act which is also known as the Akaka Bill. Uh, The bill proposed to extend sovereignty to 400,000 Native Hawaiians. The supporters of the bill said it was necessary to protect Native culture and redress Hawaiians for past injustices. Opponents of the bill said it was unworkable and would create radically divided state. Well, you know what? Big news. It already is. They hate white people, and they should hate white people. Did you hear this story? (laughs) Did anyone stop to say I'm sorry? They're like, oh, but I didn't do anything to them personally. Well, you know what? Your ancestors did. Right. So did you ever think maybe all your dollars and you coming to this year-round palatial paradise was not what they wanted to do with their lives? Jesus Christ. You know what, Hawaii? I'm sorry. I had nothing to do with this, but I'm fucking sorry. Right. If I did have something to do with this, I'm still sorry. 
<laughs> I just wasn't on the side of that country, like, back in the day. I've never been to Hawaii, and I don't plan on going as a tourist, because I, I can't get down with that. It doesn't seem like something fun to me to go to this fake place with a resort and, like, all of these people. It just seems gross to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I've been to Hawaii uh, exactly once in my life, and it was pretty cool. Um, I was 14, 13, 14. Did you uh, do the, the resort type? Yeah, pretty much. I was I was on a church trip, and we oh. we did a thing. It was actually, that was my first time ever coming to L.A. I was like, oh, it was kind of cool over here. Uh, and then, so I was in L.A. for a week, and then Hawaii for like four days or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, I, I, I would go again, um, but I would be very conscious, especially after hearing this story, very conscious to make sure that I am like giving as many of my dollars to like Hawaiian people directly and not like necessarily corporations or like businesses. Um, I would try to make sure that the people are benefiting from my stay versus the companies. Exactly. And also, I'm horribly allergic to pineapple, so oh, I'm kind of terrified of the whole island. Yeah. I might no, just die. The best pineapple I've ever had in my life was on a boat in Hawaii. Like, yeah. Rub it in. Sorry. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, There's just something about it that strikes me as uncomfortable that America has taken this place just so unethically, obviously. I mean, is there an ethical way to take over something? But if somebody asks you to, from its rightful monarch, someone who who was doing it right and cared a lot about these people, yeah, and turned like it's essentially within a hundred years just turned into this place where it's a essentially fake paradise for moderately wealthy white people Mm -hmm. and that just disgusts me i don't think that hawaii wanted that for their future and they should have been able to build their own economy and without all of these corporations moving in and just making kind of a mockery of their culture and a mockery of who they are as a human being and who their like what their history is etc a hundred percent So, in 2005, the New York Times described the Akaka Bill uh, by saying the measure would give Native Hawaiians equivalent legal standing to American Indians um, and Native Alaskans and lead to the creation of a governing body that would make decisions on their behalf. The governing body would also have the power to negotiate with federal and state authorities over the disposition of vast amounts of land and resources taken by the United States when the islands were annexed in 1898. And so the Akaka Bill prohibits indigenous Native Hawaiians from gaming or other benefits available to federally recognized Native American tribes. And so, I mean, I think that's great. They should, as Native Hawaiians, have their own governing body to negotiate with. However, like, I mean, 
the government has to respect that. I mean, you can tell with the Dakota Access Pipeline, which is the worst thing in the history of the world. I'm being a little It's a little touch of hyperbole. Yeah. Just but a I mean, dash of hyperbole there. <laughs> really, what it came down to was, oh, we don't want to poison the drinking water of white people. Let's poison the drinking water of Native American people. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. And that pipeline has leaked, like, what, five times since 2017? In three years, it's leaked five times. Really? Really? It's working fine. Yeah, very angry about this. Very angry. Can't contain it. So I think that the Bill was genius. Whoever's against the fact that Native Hawaiians should, as a collective unit, have that authority and autonomy obviously doesn't get it. Um, just as much as Native Americans and Indigenous Americans, whatever term is preferred by the tribes, and Alaskans, uh, though they are still Americans, uh, they are farther away. Uh, Native Hawaiians went through something incredibly similar and should have that kind of governing body as well. So the 2009 version of the bill prohibited Indigenous Hawaiians from pursuing their claims in court and arguably legitimizes past transfers of Hawaiian land that would not have been legitimate for Native American tribes. I don't know how that makes sense, but okay. And the most updated Senate version, however, allows Native Hawaiians to pursue claims in court. So in December 16, 2009, a Congressional House Committee passed an unamended version of the Akaka Bill. So on the following day, the Senate... Indian Affairs Committee approved the amendments and the Senate version of the Native Hawaiian Government Reorganization Act. So as of January 10th, 2009, it was not completely consistent. And so Akaka said on the floor of the U.S. Senate in December of 2010 that misleading attacks and unprecedented obstruction led to the failure of legislation in Congress. It was the 111th Congress. So just as many minorities know that this has been a nasty uphill fight for just Native Hawaiians to get autonomy in their own state, in their own homes and land in essentially country. And I think it's time that we continue to talk about this and we continue to bring up the authority of Native Hawaiians in their own Homes, but also, where's my movie about Leila Lokalani? Like, seriously, this woman was a badass queen. And if I, I honestly like could throw myself off my balcony about this because she's incredible. And just you know, fun fact, also, sad fact. So, while she was imprisoned on house arrest. She wrote a timeless classic song called Aloha Oi. And that song is a very meaningful ballad for Native Hawaiians. It means farewell to thee, one fond embrace, before I depart until we meet again. However, you're going to know it (laughs) 
from so many pieces of media because not knowing the lyrics makes it really easy to just play it whenever like you'll hear it in luau scenes or it's used yeah. a lot in spongebob and it's odd because she was a musical prodigy she wrote many many songs but if you ever see a sad spongebob scene that music that's played is the beginning of aloha Oi. and what? i don't know how i why i feel like that's so disrespectful now i know that Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do find that her song being so recognizable is kind of interesting. But do Hawaiians see those checks? Right. Like, does the money go to Native Hawaiians? Um, but yeah. So that was the story of how Hawaii was forced to be a state. What do you think, Vaughn? Now that you just rolled through that. Ugh, I think I need a shower. Because <laughs> um, that was dirty. That, I'm so sorry. But it's, all, it's not... It's not... It's sadly not surprising. No, it's not surprising at all. And it... It's one of those things that we should have been taught. Like, we're taught how Alaska became a state. We're taught how almost every other state joined the Union, except for where we don't look like the good guys. Right. And I was I was just about to touch on that and say, anything, any story where we have to confront ugliness, we don't touch with American education. Like, we don't address when we were wrong. Or right. made the wrong call. Like the Vietnam War ended. We didn't lose. It just ended. <laughs> like, uh, No, we got our butts kicked. Yeah. And countless lives lost. And that, that that's not the story we hear, even though we like, as you know, you're covering the war section or whatever in social studies or whatever they yeah. call it now. Like, oh, they're now trying to be like, it's the Vietnam conflict. And I'm like, no. So that we can be like whatever an O in terms of wars that we've won? Like, no. Yeah. That's stupid. The The only way to move forward is to acknowledge what's been wrong in the past. I mean, acknowledge your successes as well, but this, there are so many grave misgivings, and this Hawaii story is a shining example. I feel like there are so many things that we could have learned if we had just addressed issues sooner. Yeah. But that's what happens when you leave the world to be run by men. (laughs) Because look at this pandemic we're going through and the difference between how it was handled with someone with empathy and who cared about the maximum number of people surviving as opposed to the maximum amount of profit. Right. And it's just, it's bonkers to me. That's like one huge lesson out of this enormous story, but that's a detail really. Yeah. And how she was 
a great leader and she chose the lives of her people over you know being right yeah and i think that's so important and that shows that like you know 500 people were willing to give their lives in the face of certain death to support and defend her and that's the kind of leadership that you don't see when you're treated in a way much like Americans today that you're replaceable that your health doesn't matter that your living conditions don't matter like I just I see so many things that we could learn from the past of Hawaii and really really gain some clarity on how to be a good leader but also, I want to see this movie. I need yeah, I'm this like, movie. I'm plotting. Like, I'm going through plot points. The other wild thing is you don't need to, like, embellish or add much of anything. No. Just it's tell it like it happened. Exactly. <laughs> that's compelling like, enough. Her husband passes away. Like, it's sad. Like, she loses everything at the end. And, like... It's when, like, why do bad things happen to good people? I feel like this story is mm-hmm. the epitome of that question. But, of course. I know that they used the song in, was it Lilo and Stitch? Yes. Yeah. They used her song in Lilo and Stitch, which I think is perfect because, you know, Ohana means family. And that never didn't make me cry. Yeah. Um, no one gets left behind. No one gets left behind. Oh my gosh, we're going to cry. I'm so, good. It's okay. <laughs> so in conclusion, <laughs> uh, understand why Hawaii is a part of our nation and understand if they hate you for a reason because it's a great one. <laughs> if you're a white tourist in Hawaii acting like a dipshit, there's a reason, like, you're getting those looks. Um, be thankful for being able to go to Hawaii, you know. That's a luxury almost no one has right now. Like, people are so broke, it's not even funny. Um, thanks to this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And make sure you tell your family that you're in touch with, that you love them. And you care about them. Um. And I think the other big thing that, um, like, just the timing of, you know, you sharing this story with me and where we are as a nation with the election having just ended is if you have the choice between the people or the dollar, choose the people every time. Yep. That's my biggest takeaway. Like, hearing hearing about her actions compared to the last orange lumps actions compared to like how refreshing it was just to hear Biden say like, this pandemic's real. We need to get past it. Wear your mask. Like literally hearing your leader say, wear a mask was like, wow, direction. It's so refreshing. Or like the fact that we, I don't know. Like I, I live in LA. Vaughn lives in LA and we got a notification last night that was like, Wear a mask, 
the pandemic is still happening. And I'm like, who thought it was over? What? It kills me. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like, you have a choice between the people and the the dollar, but you also have a choice between other people and selfishness. And that's Mm -hmm. another thing with wearing a mask. And, you know, she'd wear a mask. And I think what you're doing is also a piece of what, and I I only mentioned it because it all is so timely and so, so just uh, prescient, like Biden in his, his speech on Saturday, um, like he mentioned like coming to terms, like acknowledging systemic racism and like we to, in order to heal, we have to acknowledge what has been wrong. We have to acknowledge the pain. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're doing by shedding light on this story and what with what's happening in in Hawaii is is that as well. I think we need to be talking about it in schools. We need to acknowledge and like it, it, it's I think so interweaved and intertwined. It's gonna be it's not gonna be as simple like boom, just do this. But in order for us to get to that resolution, we have to acknowledge that there's a pain. Yeah. Um. And acknowledge why people don't have the awareness of it. Because I don't think it's the common man's and common woman's fault that they don't know. It is a problem of education. It's a problem that goes back, obviously, far, far back. And you can't know something if you didn't know that you should know it. Mm -hmm. But once you learn it, it's kind of, in my opinion, share it. Yeah. And so when you, I mentioned that I had learned about this story in a very strange way, I used to read these books. I recommend them, guys, especially if you have kids. Um, they were called, like, the Royal Diaries, and they basically were written as if they were the person, um, like, the, the royal figure writing the diary, and then you would learn about historical things from the perspective of that person. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. I read Leila Lukalani and there's one, like they would have other ones such as like, um, Anastasia or who's the last grand duchess at the time. She was the one who was thought to be missing. This was a long time ago. Um, but they would also have like Elizabeth the first or, um, like, all of these really big monarch characters. Um, and then they also did different, like, genres. So they would have different young people from the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually how I learned about, I think her name was, like, Phyllis. She was a famous writer. Um, she was, like, a freed slave, and her name was Phyllis. Wheatley? Yes. I read hers. They They did one... That was her story from her perspective. And it was so good. I read that one like four or five times. And I was like 10. Mm-hmm. But that's how, like, you know, the, the age range for these novels. But you learn about these characters from their perspective. And it's so interesting because you're reading like a diary. And so when I read like the Leila Lukalani one, I might have been like 12 or 13 when I read it. And that's when I learned how Hawaii ended up becoming a state and, like, 
my world was shattered. <laughs> I was not ready. This was before you just Googled stuff, you yeah. know, like you had to go to Google with intent. You didn't go to Google because it was like dial up at the time, maybe DSL and other people were waiting in line to use it. And so I was crushed and I was trying to tell my friends and they were like, that's not true. And I was like, look it up in the encyclopedia. <laughs> and yeah, it was, that's how I found out about it. So thank you. Children's true history writers, <laughs> fiction, history, history, historical fiction that's the genre historical fiction writers thank you for doing what you do because that helped me learn uh-huh. but yeah and thank you for the compliment i appreciate it absolutely but so i guess we'll wrap this this episode up thank you hawaii for being you we support the akaka bill Mm-hmm. You definitely should have, like, <laughs> autonomy of your own. Yeah. For Native Hawaiians, of course. But honestly, I support you just being able to peace out and do your own thing. That's me. A hundred percent. I support Hawaiian sovereignty. I do, too. Like, just let them do them. It seems like a good thing well you know what we probably owe them a lot of money so that might help but kick out the americans so that being said this has been the 13th episode lucky 13 (laughs) of let's talk about the facts and i have been speaking with the amazing and incredible von dexter montague the second hey And I am Elizabeth Fury, a person. And we will see you next week and or if I randomly drop the episode at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye, y'all. This podcast was surprisingly produced by me. Original music by Miranda Miller. You can find us both on Twitter and Instagram at TalkAboutFacts. That's T-A-L-K-A-B-T-F-A-C-T-S. Or email recommendations to ltatfpodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe out there, friends.